Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here's our intro. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everybody. We should be up fully functioning just a moment. Good evening, Steve. How you doing? I'll call hey, you guys so back. I got to. I got a call coming. Okay. All right. We live and online. We are live and online. You got that right. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Legal Deception Community Call. This is the first of what we hope to be many calls. All right, to further the education of the legal, of our legal system. We're going to be discussing on this on these calls a whole bunch of stuff that concern everybody out there who is dealing with these courts and the and the laws and stuff. We're going to get in to a lot of controversial issues here because these have to be discussed. A lot of people out there are putting forth information that is not entirely correct. Well, we're going to explain a lot of that information to you and how, and give you the correct information here and where to find it. We're going to start off tonight with a show called Copyrights. Now, a lot of people think that's not very interesting, all right, until you realize that just everything that we're doing in this country under some form of copyright. Out there on Legal Deception Facebook page, there's a document called Copyrights Explained. I didn't write it, but I found it, and it works very well to explain it. Copyrights are real simple. If you write something, or you create something, it's considered under the Burns Agreement. That's international law, to be copyrighted from the minute that you create it. Danny, are you there? I don't think we have him on the line quite yet. Um, checking the uh, Oh, Danny should be on with uh, the uh, on his computer. Uh yeah, he is online. Correct. I thought you meant uh, calling in as well. All right, Southern. I'm back. Uh, All right. All right. Now, copyright. If you can Danny, are you there? I guess he's not. Okay. If you look in the, the starts looking around your state statutes, your county and city codes, you're gonna find this stuff is all copyrighted. Alright, copyrighted material is privately owned. It cannot be law. They claim it's law, they use it as law, but it is not law. It can never be law. It's privately owned. It's like any any book 
It's like a comic book is privately owned. It's copyrighted. Or it's like a, a, a playwright or something, a movie, anything that's been created. Now, there are two forms of copyrights. The copyright that normally happens when somebody writes something, they own it. Then there's what's called the work for hire. Where you hire somebody to write something for you. The work for hire doctrine, we're going to get into in a little bit because it's going to be interesting. When people copyright documents like the statutes, the ordinances, and the codes, we've heard for many years from many of these sovereigns out here that this stuff doesn't apply to us. Well, let me tell you something. It doesn't. If this stuff is copyrighted, it is not law, and it cannot, it cannot possibly apply to the living, the living man. Now, somebody owns us, and the one thing that you have to get an understanding of is this is their property, right? It's like they, they own any other thing. They can do whatever they want to with it, but they can't impose this stuff on us. Us as in Excuse me? Us as in freemen, right? Those who correct their status because, I mean, they could do whatever they want to American citizens that are under the 14th Amendment because that's how they get their copyright, correct? Say that again. You, you were breaking up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not in a good spot. I'm saying that what you're saying right there, that's for those of us who have corrected the status. Oh. You don't really need to correct your status because this stuff, whether you correct your status or not, does not apply to you. It's that simple. If you if you if you own the copyrights to an adventure novel, the two things that you can't know you can buy that under the first sale doctrine. Okay, I can buy your book. I I can buy it, sell it, burn it, do anything I want. But two things I can't do with that. You know what that is? I can't practice or perform what's in that book uh-huh. because you own the copyrights in it. So they're telling us that we're, they've got this new thing now in courts where you, when you go in and ask for the uh, to, uh, injured party to be brought forth in these court cases, okay, the corpus delicti, they tell you that the statute was injured. Well, you can't injure the statute. It's copyrighted. The only way that you can enter that statute, status or statute is if they're charging you with a copyright infringement, and that's it, All right? Or piracy of copyrighted material. Otherwise, you can't enter that status statute. Now, these people, whenever they wrote this, they were supposedly elected officials, All right? They wrote this stuff. They put their name on it. They're collecting royalties from this stuff. Now, as elected officials for the work for hire, under the work for hire doctrine, all right, these people we, we elect were allegedly working for us. So this stuff should belong to the American people or the people of these states. That still does not mean that it's law. It's still copyrighted. Right, it still would not apply to us. But now that presents a, that presents a problem 
because I never got a royalty check. Have you ever got a royalty check from any of this? No. Well, uh, the only check I got is a check <laughs> for somebody to tell me to pay them. <laughs> from the government. Well, if we're not getting royalty checks from our property, then it must not belong to us. Yeah, yes, Therefore, the bottom line is simple. If it doesn't belong to us, it's not ours. Yeah. Now, these, these people out here who are pulling us over, writing us these traffic tickets under this stuff and arresting us under this stuff, they claim to be law enforcement officers. Now, here's where the problem comes in with that. Hello, you hear me? Hello? Yep. We hear you. I hear you as well. Okay. Now, the problem with the, with that is they're using this stuff. So the question now comes to mind, do these law enforcement experts, are they aware of the fact that they're using copyrighted material? Well, I've had a couple of incidents before I have asked you know, law enforcement personnel, alleged law enforcement personnel, all right, to see their law enforcement, state Florida law enforcement handbook. And they handed it to me and asked me why I wanted to see it. Well, I wanted to look something up. And I've had these people actually tell me, you know, what are you looking up? Maybe I can help you. The copyrights. Well, one guy looked me right in the face and said, oh, that's not copyrighted. We couldn't use it if it was. Guess what? Page three. Florida Law Enforcement Handbook, it said copyrighted. The guy had a look, had a look on his face, a one of absolute horror, grabbed the book, jumped in his car, goes, I got to go, and took off. That's now, crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. These people, they go on the uh, computer in their car, and down at the bottom of the page, it even states that it's copyrighted. Now, there's a lot of what a lot of people don't understand about copyrights is these guys got to have uh, a copyright uh, license from everybody who owns a copyright to that stuff. And we have pulled up literally, uh, she wolf here, I don't know if she's online yet, went into I one. I am here. I am here, my friend. Okay. She went in and pulled up how many copyrights to one, in one county, she wolf? Oh, we pulled up hundreds of copyrights with um, numerous, I mean, um, with an unlimited amount of ownership and authorship to the, um, the copyright, especially work for hire. It's all over the place. You need to start paying attention to these laws because they are. You also need to start paying attention to the books. You know, in your law libraries, because they're all copyrighted. Uh, this presents a very big fraud that has been perpetrated on the American people. Because they're coming out here and they're telling us that this is law. Well, if it's law, they can't copyright. This is where they're getting us. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. And they're correct. Like I said, a lot of people have said that the law doesn't apply to you. 
but they don't tell you how. I'm here to tell you how. Long as this stuff has got a copyright on it, it doesn't apply. Period. Even if we had held the copyrights to this, it still wouldn't apply. It would be privately owned. Nothing more than a romance novel, an adventure novel, or a comic book, or a playwright. And that's it. End of story. Nothing that's else. It's a shame that got duped like that. Excuse me? I said it's a shame how so many people have been getting duped like that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a big, giant fraud is all it is. Because because these police officers out here have to know that that book in their hand or that computer down at the bottom of the page has got a copyright. They have to know. They're claiming to be law enforcement professionals. They can't claim ignorance of the law here. They can't do it. And that's what's really interesting about this. If If you're out there and you're claiming to be law enforcement, you can't claim ignorance of this, that you're out there defrauding the public with this. And that's exactly what they're doing, is defrauding the public at large. They can't possibly get away from it. Any way, any way they go, they can't do it. These tickets that they're writing, I want to get into that for just a second. You need to get in the 1933 Securities Act and the 1934 Securities Exchange Act. There's no such thing as a traffic ticket. This is like a check. They put down the, the uh, alleged statute you violated. They put down their name on it. What these police don't know is that ticket, that security instrument, never walks into a courtroom. These judges, if anything ever comes down about this and anybody starts getting arrested all right, over this fraud, these judges are going to sit up there and these people in these courthouses with absolute plausible deniability as to their actions to let these police fall. And that they need to understand. All right, this is, you need to open your books, guys, and start reading. All the police do. But we also need to do it. We need our, to understand. for the sake of our children. Yes, for the sake of our children and for ourselves. We need to learn what a copyright is and how it works. And it's not that hard. This document's out there. Like I said, it's on legal deception. And Danny's supposed to be posting it on the board. But these copyrights are internationally protected. Now, in the United States, the people that deal with copyright infringements and copyright violations is the District Court of the United States. That's the ones that deal with it here. On the international scale, it would be the Burns. We also have the Burns Convention of International Copyrights out there on legal deception also. Mm -hmm. All right? We also have the uh, statutes at large are the United States copyrights out there. You need to download that and read it. These copyrights, the copyrighted stuff that we're dealing with out here on these streets that they're calling laws is, is unbelievable. This fraud is, is I, I can't even stress how bad it really is. 
All right? These people are just raping the American people financially. And nobody's doing anything about it. And that's what's really the scary part. The federal government, our supposed federal government, has got to know this is going on. Our elected officials know it's going on. All right? They all do. Our courts know it's going on. Yep. All right? And they're not doing nothing to stop it because everybody's making money. And money that's the world where, go, man. where the big fraud comes in. They're all just sitting back, fattening their pockets on this fraud. And I keep saying fraud because that's exactly what it is. They know that since 1863 in the creation of the Libra Code, there's been no law in these states. Absolutely none. It was suspended under the Civil War. And there's been no law here since then. And that's what that's, I think a lot of people don't get, that right there, the whole Civil War, how it technically really never ended like that, and how the Constitution really isn't there, and it's actually Lieber Code, which is the supreme law of the land right now, not our Constitution. Which that's is correct. Shame. Yes, it really is a shame. It really is. Because... Oh, you there? I think we might have lost you. What you say, Steve? Oh, there you go. You're back. Uh, we lost you for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that Libra Code very deep on some of these yeah. other shows. Yeah, because that's going to have to be for a future episode, definitely. Yeah, that's a whole episode itself right there. Yeah, we're going to go. Well, it's going to be more than one episode, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they suspend the laws. They actually suspended all commerce and travel under the Libra Code. We're going to get in in future shows out here and explain your driver's license, your tags, and a, you know, a lot of stuff that's out there and where it yeah. actually came from and how we got it. And that, too, in a way, is a big fraud because they never told the American people any of this stuff. Nope. But getting back to copyrights, we need to start addressing this matter in these courts. Once they realize we know this stuff is copyrighted, I, I think it was, uh, there's going to be some sort of a change one way or the other. They're either going to have to start backing off what they're doing, or they're just going to have to come out and admit that they're robbing the American people. It's going to leave them no choice. Well, if uh, they don't then they're going to just leave themselves open for a full-scale revolution because it's only a matter of time until the herd wakes up and they start following no. the action. You can only we slaughter cow before they decide to turn around. Well, we don't want to go there. Because oh, yeah. the bottom line, we can bring this into courts and deal with it. Like I said, the, the court that handles copyrights in the United States is a district court of the United States. And they operate... Um, under the Copyright Protection Act of Congress and under the Burns Treaties. And that's a treaty. The United States signed that and so did 200, almost 200 other countries have signed it. Yeah, that's and all that's, on record. Huh? I said that's all on record. You're right. Yep, it's all on record. It's all out there. I put it out there on legal deception. Yeah, we don't just make stuff up. This is all on record for people to say. It's just people have become complacent with their lives, with their iPhones and Netflix and Xbox well, and all that. 
A lot of people just don't want, care. Well, they, they've lost hope. Yeah. And that's what we're going to start doing here is giving them some hope. We're going to be... Uh, we're right now working on some documents to put put into these courts to let these courts know that we know about these copyrights. But one of the things that you can do when you're going into these traffic courts, right, is you need to start asking the right questions. The right question is, like when you go into the, in there and somebody says that you broke a statute, well, explain, you need to actually pull up the law, all right? You need to pull up that copyrighted stuff they call law and show That we lost you again. Hello? There you are. Okay. They're not going to want to play with that stuff anymore. It's going to get exposed that they've been committing this fraud. <laughs> all right? Now, I'm not saying that all police officers know about the copyrights, but I do know for a fact there's some out there that understand it. And Usually those more veteran ones, you know, the rookie ones don't know. They just come out thinking, you know, they're watching cop dramas and all that CSI. Yeah. They're thinking they're going to just come out and be a good guy. You know, they don't they don't understand that what they're actually doing is detrimental to what they really wanted to do in the first place. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, they sign up to be a cop because they want to help. Well, in all reality, they're actually contributing to the problem. That's very true. That is very true. All right. A lot of these people out here... Uh, the police also have gotten complacent. You know, I can do whatever I want to. I got a badge. What they don't realize is because these constitutions in these states are all copyrighted. When they copyrighted those constitutions, they became fantasies, fairy tales. They became they became fictions. Anything created under those constitutions doesn't exist. A lot of people have heard the old story that, you know, there's nobody in government where they're correct. This is why they created, they turned everything into corporations. All right? Now, these corporations can be looked up, and we're going to get into that on a later show on Dun and Bradstreet and on Sam.gov. We're going to start teaching people how to look up these private corporations. All right, and put it into their paperwork and addressing them, not as a government entity anymore, but exactly call them out by their name and what they really are, which is a private corporation. All right? The more of this fraud that we, that we expose, I think the faster this is going to, they're not going to want to play no more. Yeah, so you hear that? I, People start sharing this link. Get this out there. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's what it's all about right now. It's getting people to understand that what is going on and how to fix it. We've had some people do some things in courts that I've worked with that we're going to get into, like I said, in later times. These people don't want to talk about certain things in these courtrooms because they got nowhere to go, and copyright's one of them. Now, most people think that these courts are... Right, have to do with admiralty maritime jurisdiction. Well, I got some news for you. 
I've never been, nobody has ever been able to prove that to me. But these courts seem to be operating more as a common law court, right, than anything else. I have a document out there called Common Law on Facebook on legal deception. You need to go pull it and read it. A lot of people talk about the flags in that courtroom being Admiralty Maritime Jurisdiction because of the Gold Fringe. Well, on that same uh, legal deception Facebook group, you'll find flag manual 840-10. You need to go look at section 802. If it's got an eagle on top of that flagstaff, I don't care what flange it's got, and it's an American flag created by Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1959 under an executive order. That flag is a battle flag of the United States military because it was created as commander-in-chief of the military. Congress never approved that flag. If they did, we can't find it. So that's the flag that we've got standing there for the president. Now, the one for the state is under a spike. And that flag manual in 840-10, section 802, tells you specifically that a spike is the only thing used on top of a military flag. So if that flag, that state flag, you're walking into that courtroom, and it has a spike on top, that's a military court. That's a military flag that has to be a military court. All right? That is not Admiralty Maritime. That would fall under the common law of war. And we're going to get into that because that's in the Libra Code. We're going to get into a lot of things in, in future uh, shows that we're going to do. Anybody have any questions so far? Yeah. Shoot. All right. If they... Um Anytime they uh, reference a statute or anything copywritten, any other corporate policy, they're forfeiting their military standing, aren't they? They're just standing there as a corporation. So the flags well, are moot, are they not? What these courts are doing, all right, they are fl- they're flying the flags, but they're actually private corporations doing business as. All right, this is a lot more of their deceit and fraud. Because these are not courts of record. If you look up Bouvier's 1856 court of record, it refers you back to an immigration act created by Congress that said that a lawful court must have a a public record and a court seal. Well, these courts do not have public records. These state courts don't. Right, everything is stuck in a file, and you can't just go someplace online and look it up, like you can't paste it on the federal side. That's not there. And you never see, ever, all right, the seal of these courts used. Now, Seawolf here has pulled a good one. She went into the court, into a court, all right, and I'll let her tell you the story. Seawolf? But go for it. Tell them what you did. Would you want me to start with my estoppel? Well, tell them how you, what court you put it into. Uh, I'm in a municipal court. I'm in a local court. 
setting. It's a circuit court uh, in and for Miami-Dade County, and um, they foreclosed on my house. I formally and privately asked them to abate the matter, that it was out of their jurisdiction, and that I have a trust ownership and interest in the property. So they chose to ignore me, and they continued to mow me down. I've already held them at bay for four years, but the case got dismissed, and another attorney came in and reopened it, and I usually phone in if I'm going to settle the matter because I have a physical disability. So I had no idea that there's a new attorney talking. Don't know that this is a whole brand new ball game and they asked me to rebut it. I can't rebut it because I wasn't given a claim. You have to have a claim to rebut it so I gave them instead documentation that says abate it. You don't have jurisdiction over this matter. So they continued along and they defaulted me and I gave them a second request to abate. They default me and then they final judgment against me and they sold my home. And I even put payment to the attorney to abate the matter as well and he took my payment and still they sold my home and he, he, his plaintiff is the one who bought my home. So what I did was I filed a rebuttal, I mean, I filed an estoppel, and I put all of their duns and cage numbers on the paper, and I said, now, from this day forward, you shall not make take any more actions against me and my co-creation until you provide to me bona fide evidence of a bill of sale. I need to see the land patents to the land. I need to see a higher authorization than the trust that I hold. I need to see an authenticated or certified title to that land before you sold it. I need to see all of the paperwork, all of the accounting, financial, public, and private that you've made off of this land taxing me. And so a lady sends me a document just showing me how much I paid into the taxes, and I get this ordinance. That says uh, Ordinance 08133, meaning they can make a certificate for right of use after they do a final judgment so they can sell my home. And it's not signed by anybody. They send me three photocopies of a document that has got a flat uh, watermark that says copy on it. There's no markings on it, certified by a clerk or anything. So that it, they didn't honor the public notice. So I wrote to the head clerk of court, and I said, you failed to provide me with any certified documentation. You failed to provide me a bill of sale to show who actually bought the um, land. And I am going to give you 30 more days. I'm returning your documents as they are in value. They're just computer-generated printouts. 30 days have passed. And uh, they've not given me anything, so now I'm going to default them, stating that no good man or woman has come forth with any legitimate, bona fide, verified documentation to show that the transactions that incurred were legally done by, you know, the court, but not a court. They're a corporation. They're doing business as. So I listed them under their doing business as, and I told them that the estoppel shall remain in full effect while I continue 
in my administrative process to seek justice without the court's assistance. That's filed. So another attorney comes in, and she's ordering, she's furious, and I opened up a civil 99 case. I'm the 99th person to ever come into a courtroom as a private citizen civilian to open a case. There's only 98 people before me in the last 300 years. So I'm still in the lower court, and this attorney comes in, and she's saying, I want you to order the clerk to um, file this writ of possession and, like, get this woman out of this house. And there's no case number because the clerk will not comply with her and give her a case because I took over the case now. And they have an estoppel, and the order is you trespass, it's 1500000 per occurrence. That is my fee that I submitted to this court. And um, so basically today she had court. She hasn't replied to me, and I gave her something else she's going to have to do. I don't really want to talk about what I gave her to do now, and she's probably uh, not in a good mood by what I'm ordering her to do now since she wanted to be the trustee of the case. But the fact of the matter here is you cannot use copyright protected intellectual authorship materials in your defense because they have ownership. And um, I just wanted to read something to you real quick. It's not long. And I found this under the 12 tablets. Um, This is where I started. And it's in the Avalon Project. It's... um, It's under yale.edu, ancient 12 tablets. And a long time ago, the lawyers during Roman times, they were called the guild. And everybody knows them as the guild members before they became the bar. So it says, number 27, these guild members shall have the power to make for themselves any rule that they may wish to provide, provided that they not, they impair no part of the public law. And what they're doing here is that all of the bar members across the nation and across the world, you know, they're writing private rules, but what they've done is they've stolen your equity. And this has taken many, many years for them to get this to happen. It just didn't happen overnight. In 1933, they began collecting all the birth certificates here in America and converting you, you, like you're born, they put it to where you're born to a maiden name. And they send this paperwork off to the vital statistics, and then from there it goes, I guess, to the Federal Reserve or headquarters of D.C., but it doesn't matter. What they're doing is they're sending you, your parents, back the certificate, but that certificate is not yours. It's theirs, and you're borrowing the information that's on there, and if you use it, you're using their private property. So basically, whenever you enter a courtroom, you have to always enter as the agent to the name because that's not really you. It's just a piece of paper that you're holding that belongs to them. That is a security instrument. That is an obligation of the United States uh, based on 18 U.S.C. 8, they are responsible for that instrument that you're holding in your hand. We'll just keep it at that. 
So the most important piece of weapon that you have in your possession isn't the Federal Reserve note, and it's not the money in your pocket, and it's not the cash laying on your table. The most important weapon you have in your possession is the one that they try to steal from you every day, and that's your signature. Um, I don't know who's talking back there, but I can hear another person. Um, and I wanted to prove to you, um, just in a way, I pulled up this one document really quickly, um, that it is so important that they get your signature from you, um, that if you walk away with anything from this show, it's to know that your signature is the gold, the icing on their cake. It is everything to them because everything you sign is a contract under the laws of commerce. And um, here's one here where they're really not supposed to take away your house, okay? And you can do a declaration of domicile, and it says that the courts are not allowed. This is their own laws. It says they can't take away your home if that's your primary residence, and that's the only place that you have to put shelter on you. So um, say one of your kids are staying in your home, and they've been there, you know, for 20 years, and you walk away, and you're traveling, and they've done that foreclosure. Well, your kid is not on that foreclosure, so they can do a declaration of domicile. But look at the trick words that they add in the document. It says, Miami-Dade County and this statement is to be taken as my declaration of actual legal residence and permanent domicile in this state and county to the exclusion of all others, and I will comply with all requirements of legal residence of Florida. So what they're saying here is if I want to claim domicile, this isn't a notarized document. It says, I will do it, but I will also comply with the requirements of the legal residents of the state. Remember, legal belongs to them. They're private law. I understand that as a legal resident of Florida, I must purchase Florida license plates for, my, for motor vehicles, if any, owned by me and or my spouse. If I vote, I must vote in the precinct of my legal domicile and that my estate will be probated in the Florida court. So what you're doing is not only are you declaring domicile of your land here, but what are they doing, people? They're tricking you with that language to say, and you give us consent to railroad you once you sign this paper, you're giving us the right to tell you what to do once you put your signature on here. As long as you have a voter's card, as long as you have a license and a tag on your car, let us probate the matter with the house that you're living in, and we will take care of you. They will not. They will come to the conclusion, go with the banks and say, you know what? You've lived here for 20 years, and that 20 years should have been enough. Go find your own place. Never, ever find something that is pre-created by the bar. Are you there? I'm here. I'm going to read you something else now about the copyright that I used in my case. Um, let's see. I wanted to read to you. Okay. This is quote of the Copyright Act, okay? 
I, I say this is for entertainment and enlightenment purposes only. Because everything we tell you, we have evidence. Never go into a courtroom saying that the law doesn't apply to you. Tell them why it doesn't apply to you. Copyright protection exists from the moment a work is created in a fixed, tangible form of expression. The copyright immediately becomes the property of the author who created the work. Only the author or those deriving their rights through the author can rightfully claim copyright. In the case of works made for hire, the employer, not the writer, is considered the author. And then it goes into, under the first sale doctrine, section 109 of the Copyright Act, ownership of a physical copy of a copyright-protected work permits lending, reselling, disposing, mm-hmm. etc. of the item. However, it does not permit reproducing the material, publicly displaying or performing it, or engaging in any of the acts reserved for the copyright holder. Why? Because the transfer of the physical copy does not transfer the copyright holder's rights to the work, even including an attribution on a copied work. For example, putting the author's name on it does not eliminate the need to obtain the copyright holder's consent. To use copyrighted materials lawfully, you must mm-hmm. secure permission from the applicable copyright holders or a copyright licensing agent. Now, the next piece I'm reading is small. It's Crown Copyright in the Information Age. This is the U.S. model. Now, this is coming from the head honcho of the Copyright Act. You know, they're the ones who wrote these acts, and they wrote it for the entire world. It says, This is only for uh, informational purposes because I don't know if it's copyrighted. Um, Section 105 of the U.S. Copyright Act provides that copyright production is not available for any work of the United States government. Court judgments are also in the public domain. You know, they talk about the Paperwork Reduction Act, that they want diversity, Um, There's no restrictions on reuse, that the United States has a very strong freedom of information law, no government copyright fees limited to recouping the cost. This policy is based on the premise that government information is a national resource, and for that, the economic benefits to society are maximized when it is available to all. Now, they talk about the copyright, it, it, no government information or law can be copyrighted, okay? However, you're talking here public law and statutes at large. They have no copyright. But what the federal government has done is they've converted them into the United States codes or UCC codes. All of those are copyright-protected material, and they're private. And... Here's the most important part that you people need to know when you're engaging, because remember, all your problems stem from usually something local. This is from the copyright holder at um, uh, the Crown Crown Corporation. However, American states and local government are left to decide 
whether their own works will have copyright protection, and these are actively protected. Conclusion. Very clearly stated above, this is what I wrote to the court. One body, a civilian, private American national, native, cannot do anything regarding ordinances, statutes, and codes, nor use the Constitution of the state as recourse or in any of your own private defense of a claim. That is why one challenges jurisdiction using their own jurisdiction. You have to use your own definitions of the words because everything it says it right there from the Crown Corporation is all copyright protected by the states and local governments. Everything that they're telling you to do is against the law. They cannot make you do it. If you do what they tell you to do, not only are they in violation of the copyright, so are you. And when you keep saying, I want to, well, you broke this statute and code, and you're in they're not. They're the ones who the books were written for, but they're not written for you. You just have to tell them that is copywritten material, and if I act upon it because he said so, I am breaking the law because I did not get the copyright holder owner's consent. Does everybody understand that? I hear I understand. I overstand it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get happy when people understand because it just keeps you from getting in trouble. Um, once you learn to put the duns and cage numbers into the cases and treat them as a doing business as, you know that they're all operating. You can go to municode.com and pull up your, your corporate county charters. You could put your city charters, and I will tell you, People, look locally. You don't have to go to Washington, D.C. You will be blown away by some of your city charters as it tells you, did you know in Denton County, Texas, they actually put the people as their property on the charter. I'm sorry, what city was that? Denton County, Texas. Oh, okay. And then they wrote below the law, that you have no right to question them for child support. You have no right to question them any fee that they imposed on you. You have no right to dispute. And it even says, we aren't going to answer you. Basically, because in the first line, it says, we took ownership of all of our citizens. I thought slavery was outlawed, didn't you? Yep, I have another one I'll read you, one paragraph, and this is the preamble of our county, Miami-Dade County, Florida. Tell me if you're understanding what they're saying here. We, the people of this county, in order to secure for ourselves the benefits and responsibilities of home rule to create a metropolitan government to serve our present and future needs, and to endow our municipalities with the right of self-determination in their local affairs, do under God adopt this home rule charter. And then I, and I outlined where I found it at. So everything they do, they say they did it for the actual municipality, and it says to benefit the municipality, 
using their own self-determination. So today I called um, the office where you do the voters' elections, and I asked them if we are voting for somebody and that person goes into office and they're serving the home charter rule, why did we vote for them if they're in there and you're paying them to serve only the municipality? You have no, you have no um, obligation to the people whatsoever that puts you in there. Once you're in, that paycheck is who you're, that's your stockholders, and those are the people that you are worried about. As a matter of fact, I even believe that our votes don't count unless you are a member of the employment. Electoral college, isn't it, for them? Well, I don't think uh, electoral college. What I'm thinking is that if you're a county employee, right, you know, we all had to swear oaths when we go in there, no matter what your position is. And when they say we the people, they're clearly saying it right there, we the people of this municipality. They don't say we the people of our community or we the people of um, uh, Homestead or Fort Lauderdale or anything. Those are the people they're supposed to be serving. But in the language, I just started noticing this pattern where they're only talking about themselves, the employees. The private corporation, that's all that matters. Yep. That's all that matters. That's what we got to start addressing is the fact that they're nothing but private corporations using nothing but copyrighted material. Even the activities, the activities that the county does or the city for like when it's time to vote, they'll Mm -hmm. give you four hours off with full pay because I used to work for the county and they give you an extra hour to go vote. We even have to come back with a sticker saying that we voted before we go back to work. And we hold activities out in the streets trying to get the people to vote. And um, I've been to one place where uh, in my own community, it said only 3,000 people came out to vote. And it's by unanimous decision. I'm thinking, you know, most of the people in my community were undocumented workers. I come from Homestead where all the farmers come in. And... So I asked them, you know, like you're going into these meetings, and I'm sure people think about this. Have you ever been to a community meeting and you try to go in there, they give you like only one minute to speak, and then they tell you to go back and sit down? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to hear what we've got to say. Right. Why would they want to hear what you have to say? All it takes is you to go off on them like that, and people around you are like, oh, God, she's right. What are we doing? You know, and then it just spreads. People start talking. They don't want that. Why would they want? Why would they want to give up? You know, all their power. When you get power like that, and you have everybody deceived, and you can pretty much control their whole lives. Why, why would you want to give that up? You know. Uh, may I chime in on that and say, make a comment? Chime on sure, in. Oh, this is Boomer. Well, you think possibly now the populace, how people have been indoctrinated to in this society, don't question authority. They know what's best for you. Right. Yeah, I don't understand that part, how people could think what's well, best for everybody. Can be best for well, look at everything, how you've been induced into believing everything that starts in the school system. Yeah. And uh, every day with the pledge to the flag. I mean, some people look at that as patriotic. I look at that as, you know, trying to brainwash the kid into thinking the government does no wrong. 
Okay. Well, do you agree with me, folks, or not? It starts that possibly outside the family. That's where it starts first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it really did. I found an article that said if you pledge allegiance to the flag every day, you give America consent to um, govern. Yep. That's what it means. Yeah. Consent to govern. They teach you as a child. I would not doubt it. But, you know, we're not teaching our children at home. You have to have consent to govern and respect your parents first. Um, I was just watching something on the news the other day. I couldn't believe what I was hearing where it was saying that it's unhealthy for a child to spend an entire day at home with mama because I couldn't believe it. Like, it's not quality time. They said you sit there and watch a movie with your kid, almost basically stating, let us do the job for you because we want them to grow up to be what they want to be. That's what I was saying. The corporate, the society, be be part of the working class is the colony. Mm Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we want to do is everybody to be well-trained little servants. And colonization comes from where? England people. Yeah. Does anybody, anybody have heard of Horace Mann? I've heard of the name. Horace Mann holds a point in American education system. Now, mind you, I may be wrong, but from what I understand, Horace Mann went to Germany to earn to learn their educational system. Mm-hmm. And the story goes, he wasn't there on the right day, and what little information he obtained, there was three categories. There were the people at the top of the chain with the, the intellect and ability to do things. The next were the middle class, and then the lower class. I'm not going to say these were idiots, but uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they were less in statute and working in that society. Mm-hmm. Now, does this does is this kind of fall into the area that we live in nowadays? Yes, they yep. do. Yes, they do. I, I can tell you that if you start going to your uh, local schools, which I've been battling with them, they don't really mess with me too much at the schools because I'll tell them they'll say like, "Well, you signed the agreement when you signed your child up for school." meaning you read our policy and procedures, and um, I said, well, I want a copy of it again since I put my signature. Like, I wasn't signing certain places, and they were getting mad. And one lady outright told me, she says, because you have a hard time obeying. That's what your problem is. And I said, no, I have a hard time believing that you just think you're my mother. You're not my mother. That's what I said. Who is the student here, the child or me? You're talking to me like I obeying who, you? I didn't sign those things because I don't agree to it. Well, the first thing she said was, we're going to have to give this to our lawyers, and let's see what they say about it. I said, you go right on ahead, ma'am, and when those lawyers are ready to speak to me, here's my phone number. No lawyer will speak to me because I ask who, what, when, where, how, and why, and where's the master? Well, ain't you never noticed something, Chief Wolf? Mm-hmm. You're a politician. Is there, there's a lawyer standing telling him what to do. Can you repeat that? I said, haven't you ever noticed behind every good politician 
there's a lawyer standing behind him telling him what to do. Yeah, there could be a relationship there. <laughs> yeah, every 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 time you ask a politician something or any of these people, what's the first thing they say? Uh, we gotta um, have, have lawyers look at this. Yes, and what have I done ever since they ever since the introduction of the lawyer? Now I don't waste no time with them. I say I want to speak to your lawyer. Yeah. Do I not, Southern Command? Yeah, that's the way it's gonna and go. When I get with the lawyer, you are not going to believe it, audience. I get the silliest reaction from these lawyers. I'm telling you, they do a 360, and they pretend. First of all, some of them will scream at me. The other ones will pretend like they're a little boy. And um, I had one man. Huh? Um, and one of them turned into a little boy on me. Um, he sat there and he told me, I asked him for the copyright holder's information, and yeah. he pauses for a minute, and he kept telling me, uh, how did you get my number, ma'am? Who gave you my number, and how did you call me here? And I said, I picked up my cell phone, and your number is displayed on Municode, and you picked up the phone. So he pauses for a minute, and then he tells me, I can't talk to you. I said, excuse me, sir? He says, I work for the county. I'm an employee of the county. I said, are you telling me that you're a private corporation employed by the county, and therefore you can't give me the copyright holder's information? He says, I can't give it to you. Goodbye. And he hangs up. He sounded like a little boy that got his hand caught in the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. You know why, don't you? Hello? Mm-mm. You know why, don't you? I just we thought were... he was possessed, and we just took out the possession. <laughs> well, the, the bottom line is they they never expected us to understand this copyright. We're supposed to be dumb slaves. And dumb slaves are never supposed to figure this stuff out. And the fact that we did figure this out and we're now asking for the copyright holders right, right. of this stuff. Right? They don't wanna they don't wanna address the copyright holders. Because Another see, thing there's one thing about a copyright. Mm-hmm. Right? The copyright holder, right, whoever holds the copyright to that document mm-hmm. is absolutely responsible for how that thing is used. And if and you are damaged by that, by the use of that, his copyrighted material, you have... And you have to show that you gave them permission to use their material that they authored, that private intellectual property, for use on the public. Meaning if you gave somebody a manual and you told them to fear the public, take the taser out of your pocket and taser that sucker to death until he falls flat, you're responsible for his death because you made that officer assume that every person that approaches him is a danger. That's correct. But the bottom line is what these people are now starting to get scared of is the fact that we now are starting to understand that the absolute person responsible for that act is the person who wrote that copyright. He He can literally be sued in a federal court. 
And this is something that we're going to have to start considering is taking these copyright holders to task on this. Because right, they you protect them too, people. The lawyers don't want to oh, tell you yes. who they are. Oh, yes. This is why we're going to start doing a FOSA and or Freedom of Information Act and Open Government Act request on these people to get this information. And if they won't give it to us, then we're going to have to find another way. Because we're going to have to no. find some way to get to these copyright One. Once they uh, don't do, once they don't answer your FOIA request, that means they're operating as the doing business as name, right? As a private corporation. And uh, you can ask them how they're using that all capital name, because I already called the state, and I purchased the use of my all capital name. And I asked the lady how she was using the all capital name. That one about had a heart attack on me, screaming on the phone, <laughs> telling me that that's not a corporation. That's not a corporation. And I told her, I just talked to the state. I am allowed to ask you how you're using that all capital name. Am I a slave or am I a prisoner of war? She hung up on me. I called the, her boss. Made, she called me back again because her boss said, you better fix that problem. And I told her, you need to give to me in writing how you use that all-capital name because I have a vested interest in that name now. I purchased it. So I don't know how you're using the all-capital name, but I purchased it from the state. And she wouldn't answer me, and she says, how else can I help you? And I said, I'll see you in court because you know what? You want to play games, uh, you don't have a right to use that name to sell my house. But... um. It's all about signatures, and another very important thing, people, that we're going to have to do a show on is patents. Patents on the land. These lands have patents, and there's a federal law that says when you buy a property, they had 90 days to put your name on the land patent, but they never did. I found this law, and um, because of that fact, your name is not on the warranty deed. It's only the all-capital name uh, with somebody else's all-capital name, whoever sold you the property. There's no thumbprint. There's nothing on it. All you see is a notary signing off on two all-capital names on a warranty deed. And I accidentally, my attorney who did my paperwork accidentally gave me a page two. And on the page two is an insurance contract for the full value of the property. Should something go wrong, it would have covered the entire amount of the house. And when I asked the lady about that, too, she said, I do not see it. You're lying. What I can't see doesn't exist. And I told her, well, I don't care what you can't see. I have the policy sitting here right in my hand, signed and stamped. By the notary, somebody got that $59,000, and it should have been me because that is my property. And I explained to them, you gave a license in this state to sell property, and you sell insurance on the property, and I, as the beneficiary and caretaker of the land, have equal rights to all insurance um claims and all insurance, taxes, uh, whatever it is that you're imposing on me, I have equal rights to have equal knowledge 
of all of the documentations in use, whether you are filing an insurance claim on that property, I have a right to know what's on the books and what's off the books. Does anybody have any questions regarding their children? Well, we're yes. going to do a... Go ahead. Hello? Yes. Yes. Hi. This is Nadia. Hi. Hey, Nadia. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Go ahead and talk about children. Oh, okay. Well, I know what your situation is, and I would like you to tell me what is the current status of your case. I have not gone back to family court other than filing, start, uh, basically finishing up the administrative process and serving all the affidavits of uh, first, second, and third notice, and actually even fourth, uh, of them not responding to any of my filings. Um, I obviously don't file any motions because, it's again, right. it's copyrighted, it's by the bar, and uh, mm-hmm. it's for fiction. It's not for men and women. Um, have you, no. uh, if you don't mind my asking, have you included a request from the agency, uh, whatever agency has control and possession of the child, a copy of their manual. No, well, the father has the sort of full custody of the child, so I'm not going to ask manual from him. But I will file because I've already served their administrative process. I am planning on, or I think maybe I need to ask you what I need to do next, but I was planning on filing a... um, um, Declaratory judgment or summary judgment. Uh, you need to write up an uh, you need to write up an affidavit of uh, evidence that that child belongs to you, and that the agency installing itself um, into this, who's injected itself into this case, need to provide you with a pamphlet with the following orders that describe their actions being taken against you. By what law, policy, and procedure of the agency? Well, actually, it it just happens to be the same county that you just talked about where they consider citizens their own property, and they can do whatever they wish with them. It just happened to be the Denton County, so I'm pretty sure they won't answer none of that either. They they will, because once you hit the federal court, what you do is you set up a record showing your administrative process. And what I mean by administrative process, you are outside the courtroom. You write them letters. You give them 20 days, 15 days to reply. Be very specific at what you're asking for them. You know where the laws fall, where they've taken and seized the child as their own and put them into the possession of the father. You have the birth certificate. Um... While you're at it, I recommend you get it authenticated. Uh, And basically, he is no longer your child. He is your property, your co-creation. Okay? Yep. 
Let me inject something here. The day in the hour that kid was born, they created a certificate of live birth from that child. Yep. That certificate of live birth has a seal on the state of Florida. All right. We're going to do a whole show on the on the birth certificate and everything else. That's going to be a long show. Well, I'm going to walk you through the child support system, okay, and the massive fraud that's being perpetrated in that system. These people are pulling in. If you go into the laws of war, 1949's uh, the fourth convention, on civil on civilians, you will find child support in that uh, law of war. Okay, under the protected persons, it's in there, people, and we're going to bring it out, and I'm going to put it online. I'm also going to explain 42 USC 666 and six. I think it's 659. All right, it's got some interesting stuff in there that needs to be exposed on these shows. So if you know anybody dealing with family court, when that show hits, you know, it won't be for a few weeks because we got some other stuff to cover, to, to bring up and prepare for that. They need to but be But we here. can give it to them. We should give them. Anybody who wants to advance a bit um, in our research and you want to have a little bit of understanding before we do the next show? Well, 666. You're welcome. You're yeah, welcome yeah. to the... Um, Email us at girl66 at inbox.com. That is G I R L 66 at inbox.com. Mm-hmm. Southern, what's your email? Uh, it's Chandler, C H A N D L E R O R G at yahoo.com. Those two documents, those two uh, United States codes, uh, out there on uh, legal deception. I'd advise you to, to download them and read them very carefully because we're going to get into that. All right. We're also going to get into what's going on with the birth certificates. And there ain't no ship coming through no birth canal, people. Believe me, it ain't happening. We're going to walk you right through it. These kids are all wards of the state. And like I said, we will get into this. All right, but I'm going to put some more stuff out there before it happens. Yeah. And then we'll I was going to say something. We have about uh, 40 minutes left. Uh, I know the time has been flying by. It's already been an hour and 10 minutes just now. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I want to make sure we get all the info for the copyright out there in this episode so then that way next episode we don't have to cover a couple things left of the copyright. I feel like, you know what I mean, I feel like Josie had a really good story and made a really good point, and I'm sure everybody listening here feels absolutely horrible for her, you know, this whole situation she's going through and, you know, how horrible it must feel to have to go through that alone and fight such a corrupt system. But, you know, I don't want to get I – I feel like it would be good if we didn't and, uh, you know, as you were saying, birth certificates and all that, you want to stick with the copyright for now? All of our wonderful learners, what you need to do is if you have a computer, set up an electronic account and name one birth certificate. You can name the other one um, eight, 18 USC 8, Securities of the United States. Another one is copyright, 
Another one is land patents. Another one should be uh, extortion of signatures. And you're going to start seeing a pattern emerge, how all of these things connect, because it's all based on your signature and your consent. That's right, because the bottom, anything, let me say this. Since these state constitutions are all copyrighted, anything created under those state constitutions, these copyrighted documents, don't exist. You can't create a, a comic book character and then magically bring it to life. That's basically what, they, what they've done. That's why these states are all, and all these agencies are private corporations and not lawful governments, including the courts. Because they were all created under those under those copyrighted state constitutions. Florida Florida Constitution on uh, Legal Information Institute goes right in to the state, and if you go right down to the very bottom, all the way down in a little blue field, it tells you right there, point blank, that this is copyrighted. All the Florida statutes at the bottom of the page states that it's copyrighted. We pulled them up in, in the copyrights uh, of the state statutes uh, in, every, in a lot of states out there. The main one you want to look up and you want to become familiar with is Uniform State Law Commission. Now, they, they created things like the Uniform State, Uniform Family Support Act and a whole bunch of other acts. You need to go to that. I posted some of them on legal deception. But you need to go there and familiarize yourself with what these lawyers have done. These lawyers wrote this stuff. They copyrighted this stuff, and they're calling it law. Right? The same thing under the, the Muni Code. Muni Code is another great one. Therefore, you get the copyrighted and codified almost all of your uh, county and city ordinances and codes. I learned one thing. When they start talking about codifying something, that's when they're start, That's when they're copywriting it. All right, right there. So in 1925, when they codified the statutes at large of the United States uh, Congress, the uh, statutes at large of public law in the U.S. codes, they codified that stuff right there and they copyrighted it. So all this stuff is not something that we can use. We basically cannot use any of this in our legal defense. That includes um, all their books on rules of civil procedure, uh, rules of evidence. All this stuff is all copyrighted. And since they own it, they can do anything they want to with it. They don't have to use it. They don't have to let you use it. This is where the big fraud is coming in. Everybody thinks they can go in and fight these people with this stuff. <clears throat> you can't fight somebody with their own property. It's just impossible to do it. It'll never happen. They actually now, get angry when you use their material and say that they're going to heart, they're going to penalize you and throw you into a chain gang. Well, yeah, because they see this has been their great big secret. Okay. This has been their great big secret, that all this stuff is copyrighted. We can't use it. You're basically walking into a courtroom with no way to defend yourself. 
absolutely no way. This is where they created the the uh, 12B6. Failure right. to state a claim for which relief can be granted. All right? Because there's there's no relief in these courts. Uh, absolutely, there's no way you can win. If they don't want you to win, you can't win. That's why they can throw out evidence. They can throw out your paperwork. They can throw out everything. We have a gentleman out of North Carolina that just got through with a case. What would you say Rob put in there? 2,000, 3,000 pages, Josie? I mean, she will? Mm-hmm. Would you say he put in that much? Easy? What? Rob, in his court case. What about in his case? What would you think? He put in a couple thousand pages of documents? Yeah, and and they answered him with one simple statement. Yep, they threw it all out. (laughs) They wrote back to him, and they told him that they declared him as a living, breathing human being. However... They declared as well that he consented to what they did to him. Now, that's a very big mile marker when you have a chief judge appointed by the president trying to tell you something very important, and he's saying. You know, I'm going to give you 15 years, but instead, I'm going to let you know what you did wrong. That's correct. And basically it was, you were trapped, you consented, um, you made him sign a document stating they're not going to be held liable because you're going to sign this paper out of your own free will. Nope. This is where this is where we're getting killed in these courts because they have to get our consent. Because yeah, they are, made extortion of signature. That's right. They're extorting your signature. That's exactly what they are doing. Another thing you need to watch in these courts, mm-hmm. and we're going to get it, we're going to get into some tricks. Uh, at a later date that these courts are using on us, okay? We need to learn how to stay out of these courts and not go into them because that's where they get you, right there. Right. We can learn to pay, play the paper paperwork game, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And never set foot in their courts. But we have to learn to ask the right questions, okay? Mm-hmm. And trick them into answering them, or to corner them into the point where they can't answer it. Right. That's 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 what we got to learn to do. The one question that and Joe and She Will Fear knows this for a fact. They don't like to hear the word why. They don't like to hear that word. Why can't I? Show me right. the law. Because once once you once you make that statement, they're trapped. They can't bring out the statutes and show them to you because if they do, you can turn around and say, but this is copyrighted. It does. How does that apply to me? 
See, there's a world opening mm-hmm. here of knowledge that we can start using, and they are happy about it. We're going to eventually get into a document I wrote out there called the Money Doc. When you right. start understanding that, you're going to really see the fraud that they've been perpetrating in family court and every court in this land. Mm-hmm. And we, we will get into that, maybe on the next show. Right. right. But when we go in these courtrooms, they're good at tricking us. Right? And a lot of what you've been told is not really what they're what they're doing. When they like when they ask you to understand the charges brought against you, what they're asking you point blank at that moment is exactly what they just said. Do you understand? Well, you don't understand the charges because there's been no charges brought against you. Nobody ever thinks about asking for a charging instrument. I have never seen a charging instrument. All right, and they don't give you one. I did you it in court. Hmm? I did it in I court. I asked them for a charging um, instrument, and they gave me uh, some piece of paper. And the judge just handed it over, and she said that that's it. I actually had court today, and I brought up copyright, and I still got railroaded, but I talked it down to a small fine, and I just said that's it. But earlier last week, I went into court, and I just met with the district attorney privately, and I said, I don't have permission to use your private copyright and color of law. How am I supposed to mm-hmm. proceed? And she just dismissed it right then and there. Uh, mm-hmm. But she couldn't dismiss the arrest orders. And being that that was hanging over my head today, I didn't feel like going to the dungeon, so I just went for a small fine. Well, the, what should have been addressed, understand one thing. These are private corporations. Now, as a private corporation, he only has jurisdiction and authority sitting on that bench in the black robe. I don't believe a court or a warrant. Let, let me explain something to you. You can look this up on the Internet. There, there was a, in um, Massachusetts, a SWAT team up there is in a little bit of trouble. This is actually on the Internet. They were brought into court and forced into a situation to turn over some documents. They refused. It was done under the Freedom of Information Act and the Open Government Act. Well, they refused to turn that over. They were brought into a courtroom and for all practical purposes, they forced to admit to the fact that they were a private corporation. Now, people that I know in the area up there are telling me that SWAT team is now getting their mail delivered by dump truck, literally, because everybody is now suing that private corporation. This is what this is what we have to do. We have to understand who we're dealing with, or what we're dealing with. As long as we understand they're a private corporation with no jurisdictional authority, and that what they call law. It's nothing more than private intellectual property or private literature. Now, it means the only way that they can bring us into these courts and have any jurisdiction over us is through consent. And we're working on ways right now to remove that consent. Because consent works two ways. All right? It has to have consent in both ways. 
and we're working on some stuff right now that hopefully will bring that forward. Yeah, and they they're right now they use like um, a unilateral consent on you, like where you sign and you agree, but you don't get to put any conditions. They just say, oh, sign these papers, and um, you get three days or so to dispute something that you don't like. Otherwise, you stand by, it stands as truth and commerce. And you can do the same to them. You can write them up a paper and have them sign, and if they don't sign it, it stands as truth and commerce on your part. But you do have to be a responsible adult and keep track of your papers that you mail off to them, questioning them uh, on their actions or what you want omitted from their actions or what you don't consent to based on their policy. So, you know, you got to be equally as forceful as they are. It's a little bit of a job to do, but if you keep your papers together and you start asking them questions, um, you will see that they are going to ignore them. And then you default them after the third try because they didn't, here they are saying, you owe me $27,000 in taxes, and you send them a paper stating, well, I'd like to know what specie currency you'd like to be paid in with, and um, tell me who you are. Like, I, the CEO, requires that so-and-so pays with this specie. They won't do it. They will not tell you how to pay them because what you're paying them with right now, people, you're not paying them with currency. Yeah, we're going to, like I said, we're going to do a whole show maybe in the next one. Uh, next yeah, Tuesday we're going to do the next show. We're going to start talking about currency and how powerful it is because we don't have any currency. Uh, everything that we use is based on the fact that we were indoctrinated into believing that the dollar symbol means pull out a Federal Reserve note out of your pocket. That's absolutely not true. Or a check or a credit card. <laughs> yeah. A check is not currency. A credit card, less of a currency. And none of these instruments are going to credit your debt at all. And In the next show, I will pull out a law that shows that no currency right now floating around will credit your debt. And it clearly states in the law that the true path to ownership has to be paid with lawful dollars. We don't have any lawful dollars. That's why you're being taxed. You're using private dollars that belong to the Federal Reserve. You're being given a debt you're given a Federal Reserve note is a debt instrument. That bank note is a debt instrument. That Social Security card in your hand with the dashes, that's a debt instrument, people. Uh, your driver's license is a debt instrument. There is no way to credit the debt. Yep, we're going to get into all this good stuff on these shows. Uh, If anybody has any questions, by all means, come forth. This is the time. Yeah, the lines are open. If anybody has anything to talk about, just chime right in. 
Should we send all the driver's licenses and everything just back or throw it away? What do we do with it? Uh, we're going to get into the driver's license. The driver's license is not what you think it is. The driver's license was created uh, because of the, uh, the Civil War. It all commerce and, tra- and travel under the, under the Civil War, under the Libra Code. If you look up Booby's 1856, well, tell you what, I have the license document out there on legal deception. You need to go get that document and study it. It pretty much outlines what the light, any, any license, not just a driver's license, any license is. Well, <clears throat> can we just send them back to them, back to their offices where it came from, or just throw not it away, that. burn it? I don't know what to do with it. Nail it to a tree? Now, right now, <laughs> right now. A lot of people that I know of, they're getting them renewed and they're signing the name with all rights reserved, and next to their name, they're signing as agent. Well, we're when when we start exposing the license side of this thing, and I'm not talking just driver's license, because everything you do is licensed, and I want to stress this fact. We're talking fishing license, hunting license, marriage license, mm-hmm. uh, driver's That's license. Made in the chat, yep. Nothing. None, none of this stuff crosses the state line. Mm-hmm. I recently was on a show with some people from the uh, Rainbow Coalition. Lay down a bed. A friend of mine called me and got me on the show because he were talking about marriage licenses. And they have now realized that a marriage license in one state is no good in another state. All right? Because it has a state name on it. It is not any good in another state. The full faith and credit does not apply to licenses. So if you have a gun license to carry a gun or a driver's license or a fishing license or an electrical journeyman's license or any kind of license, Hair cuttery license, all right? And, and you move to another state, that, that license is no good in that other state because of the Civil War and the Libra Code. We're actually going to get into that, and we're going to discuss that very deeply in a future show. So right now I just hang on to it. But when, when we get to that show and we start explaining all this, then you can talk, notify your state uh, licensing people and I, with the document that I've created, and you start asking the question, which one? Because only three ways they can license you. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. They can either license you under the Slave Act of 1640, all right, out of Virginia, which licensed all slaves to travel or do any kind of business. That, that law, I'm told, is still on the books, even though it's not in the state statutes of Virginia. All right? Slaves needed a license by their masters to travel on the road. The second way is under the uh, definition of license under uh, Bouvier's 1856. All a license is, whether it, it, no matter what the license is, is permission to do something that is illegal. Mm-hmm. There's the trick word, illegal. How did this stuff become illegal? Nobody's ever asked that question before. Well, some super fool down here, I mean, me did. How did all this become illegal? And I researched it. It became illegal in 18, in 18, 
right? 63, when they passed the Libra Code, because they suspended all travel, all commerce, all communication under the Libra Code. This Libra Code has never been lifted. It's still running today. Right? So you need a license to carry on any kind of trade, business, travel, and everything else. Under the definition of license under Bouvier's, down at the bottom, it talks about international. Right? Now, there's licenses under the laws of war gives permission from one belligerent to <clears throat> from one belligerent to the uh, inhabitants or the citizens of another belligerent country to the enemy's belligerent to carry on commerce and trade and stuff during the war. Well, the fact of the matter is that it, if hold on, I'll pull, actually pull it up and read it to you right quick. The fact of the matter is, if we have this, uh, this is, uh, we have these licenses. This is evidence of the fact that we're under some sort of war. We're enemies of somebody. Now, uh, mm, hold on. Let me pull this up. Uh, Bouvier's 1856 license, international law, and authority given by one of two belligerent parties to the civilians or subjects of the other to carry on a specific trade. Now, under Lever Code, Article 86 and 141, they suspended all travel and commerce in these states. You can go look this up. That's 86 on 141. That's why we have so many licenses out here to do everything that has that there is to do. That document, like I said, is out there. The truth about licenses is uh, on the uh, legal deception uh, group out there, and anybody can go down out there and download it. And you really need to get out there and read that because that is very interesting. Okay, does the Libra Code predate then the current U.S. government? No, it does not predate the United States government. But whenever, all right, let, let me let, let me say this: when these states out here and all these state alleged government agents, all right, when they had to swear an oath to the Constitution, they swore an oath to the, the United States government. They lost their sovereignty as sovereign people right then. They were no longer sovereign states, right? They became affiliated with the United States, which in a way was, is a good thing. In a way, it's a bad thing. Now, the good part about it is we are one nation, right? Now, under the Constitution, Article One, Section 1, we were supposed to be a country, right, a rule of law, where one legislative body created law for everybody. What we ended up with was all these different people out here wanting to make their own law and, and basically doing as they wanted, as they pleased. Yes, they wanted the benefits of, of a centralized government, right, but they didn't want the responsibility or obligation of it. 
And this could this this could not possibly work in any country. It just doesn't. It's anarchy. So in a good way, we did come under the under the federal government. But by the same token, out here, these states and it have never signed a peace treaty with the federal government. And when they took that oath to the Constitution, they become subservient to it. They basically lost um, their uh, sovereignty over the situation. Now, what they did after the Civil War was they stacked Congress. The states did. And that's how you ended up with something called the Posse Cantatus Act. Once they got the Posse Cantatus Act passed, these states could pretty much do anything they wanted to as long as they kept the right people in Congress. And that's what's been going on in this country ever since right after the Civil War and the Reconstruction Act. They just keep making sure that they get the right people sitting in Congress to do whatever they want and that nobody can do anything about it. And they're all, the, the people in Congress are all as guilty as the state people are for allowing the, what's going on out here outside of Washington, D.C. to go on. We, like I said, we're going to get into the license document pretty deep. We're actually going to read it on the show one night and explain to you guys why we got all these problems. And it all goes back to the Libra Code. Now, there's one thing about the Libra Code. Libra Code only exists in the United States. Okay? It is only a law here. What supersedes that law is called customary laws of war and customary laws of nations, which would be your vital uh, laws of nations of vital, your UN treaties, your Geneva, and your Hague. They supersede the Libra Code, and this is what these people have not done. We're going to get into a lot of stuff about this. Because this is where a lot of the problem lies. With what's going on in these states in Washington, D.C. Okay, Seawolf? I'm here. Okay. All right, your turn. (laughs) Um, Well, I want to read something to you to get a basic idea of how the patents work and understanding who America really is and how we've been deceived. And for the fact of the matter is I'm doing my research right now on the Guild and I'm working my way. I have several ancient books in my possession that I was able to get from Google which talk about the Jesuits It talks about England, United Kingdom, Great Britain, and France, and um, Ireland, and the Revolutionary War, but um, way back, way back. And I'll pull that up on our next visit because I think it's really important that it is known that Christopher Columbus was given the blessings of the 13 Catholic rulers of that time to sail the seas and conquer all that he found and to uh, take, come in as viceroy, that viceroy means in place of the king, and wherever he landed, he shall establish 
their, you know, Christianity and their rulings based on how they were ruling during that time. But as looking, I didn't see very much about Christopher Columbus, so I'm going to go back that far to the 1400s to do uh, an in-depth research on Christopher Columbus. But what I did find was some pretty interesting factors on uh, somebody that's got some heavy... Somebody has some heavy-duty static coming in. Somebody, somebody has to mute out. Sorry, I'm going to get on that. Hold on. Let's see. Let me see where it's coming from. Yeah, somebody's got a really heavy static. So what I want to get to you people today is the act of surrender of the Great Charter of New England to His Majesty in 1685. This is coming about 100 years before the um, Declaration of Independence and America's, you know, uh, uh, animosity into wanting to separate themselves from England. So it says here, because we do want the people to know that we were a Christian nation. To all Christian people, this is 1635, the act of surrender of the Great Charter of New England to His Majesty, 1685, and that can be found in the Avalon Project. They have a beautiful history written there. I would love to start from the beginning um, and work my way through, and I will do that for you people and create a paper. To all Christian people to whom this present writing shall come, the president and council established at Plymouth in the county of Devon for planting, ruling, and governing of of New England in America. Send greeting in our Lord God and, and everlasting. Whereas our late sovereign, Lord King James, of ever blessed memory by his highness letters patent under the great seal of England, uh, bearing date at Westminster, the third day of November in the 18th year of his majesty's reign of England, France and Ireland and of Scotland, the fourth and the fifth, fiftieth. Uh, upon, upon the motives, reasons, and causes in the, in the said letters, patents mentioned and contained, did for him his heirs and right well beloved cousins and counselors, I, I Marquez, no. Councillors Ludwig, then Duke of Lennox, Lord Steward of his household, George, then Marquez of Buckingham, then High Admiral of England, James, the Marquez of Hamilton, William, then Earl of Pembroke, and then Lord Chamberlain of his household, who who are since deceased. Um, who are since deceased. Um see here. Thomas, now Earl of Arundel and Divers, others of his nobility and gentry of this realm of England, therein named to be the first and present council established at Plymouth 
also said for the planting, ruling, and governing of New England in America, aforesaid. And then he said then Duke of Lennox, Marquez of Buckingham, Marquez of Hamilton, Earl of Pembroke, and Earl of Arundel, and said others of the nobility and gentry therein named, said the survivors of them and their successors to be elected as in the said letters patents as expressed, did by the said letters patents incorporate, erect, ordain, name, constitute, and establish to be one body politic, incorporate, indeed, and name, by the name of the Council of Plymouth, aforesaid, uh, in the said county of Devon, to have the, to have, perpetual succession with the divers after um, England in America after said to have perpetual succession with divers, other powers, privileges, immunities, provisions, and restrictions for the propagation and establishing of true religion in those parts and for the better regulating of the same plantations as in by the said letters patents do reference thereunto had some had more plenty and at large appeareth now know ye that the said president had more plainly and at large appearance. Now know ye that the president and council for divers good causes and considerations them unto moving uh presence do give, grant, assign, yield up, and surrender unto our most gracious um, sovereign Lord Charles, by the grace of God, King of England, Scotland, France, and Ireland, defender of the faith, the said letters patents to the Duke of Lennox, Marquis of Buckingham, Marquis Hamilton, West William Earl of Pembroke, Thomas Earl of Arundel and the rest of the nobility and gentry of his kingdom, therein named for the for the planting, ruling and governing of New England in America, aforesaid and said that and said all and every the liberties, licenses, and powers, privileges, and authorities therein and thereby given and granted or mentioned to be given and granted and all their and their and every their right estate, title, interest, claim, demand, whatsoever of, in and to the same letters, patents, license, powers, privileges, and authorities, and of and into every or any parcel of them or any of them, and the witnesses there whereof the said president and council have caused their common seal to be put into these presents. The seventh day of June in the 18th year of reign of our sovereign Lord King Charles in the year of our Lord God, 1,635. So they were bringing the patents and seals of England and sealing the lands with their authority and that authority included their heirs and their future heirs. 
Yep, they sure did. They sure did. Kind of hard to uh, know when she just ends like that. <laughs> uh, well, well good, basically, that's, that's a lot of good information right there out there, you know, and the good part about this is it's recorded, so, you know, somebody can come back and if they need to, you know, remember what, what, what she's saying, you know, for future reference, they can come back and, you know, they can get it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. We like I said, we're going to be putting out a lot of information out here and telling you where to find the stuff. Yeah, we are. We're going to we're going to bookmark those very important sections where they patented the land, and they were patenting the land for King Charles. They brought the seals over, and they began arguing about the rule of laws and that the United States wanted to become separate. But they got to remember that the British did come here, and we led war. You know, you had the Boston Tea Party and stuff because they were being taxed. And um, Great Britain and England didn't want to leave their grip on America. They wanted their full grip. And they did. They came into the lands and they were killing people. I have a comment. Yes? Yes. We, well, the, the story goes that we broke away from the mother country and fought a five year battle. But has anyone ever seen that formal treaty between America and the royal family? Story that I've been told that the royal family still has an interest in this country regarding property out west. They have fishing rights, mineral rights, and timber rights. You're talking about the Treaty of Ghent? No, I'm talking about the former country of England. Has anyone ever seen that formal treaty? No, I haven't. The one that ended the Revolutionary War? Yes, they still have an interest in this country. If they I believe went, it. They went all this procedure, as Josie was talking about, starting this of the patents. You think they just willingly gave up that when they fought after fighting that five-year war with America? No. No. That's why they came back in 1812 and fought another one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they brought in the mercenaries, and it says in the Revolutionary War that it was fought by patriots. I believe, I'm, I'm not going to quote it, um, Switzerland, uh, a couple of North Germany. Germany, Ireland came in to fight the Revolutionary War, but they also brought in, like, these mercenaries. Yes, like I said, there was the Hessians, the paid mercenaries. So, you know, what happened to the people that were on this land already? Yes. Um, You came here. Did you kill all the people? I'm going back into the Avalon School because they tried to say that they were savages. Uh, but the history that we're being read and what is being presented to us is far, it's like a far cry from the truth. And the sad part is that our kids are not being taught the fundamentals of history and what makes this country special and unique. 
unfortunate, but we're losing credibility around the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I get like more phone calls, you know, talking about if my child is fidgeting around the classroom or something, and he'll be like, "Classroom is just so boring for him." And when I look at what he's learning, I'm like, it makes boring, but you need to just pull it out and do your work right and just send it back to them because what I'm going to teach you at home is going to be far more different than what you're going to be learning at school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, does anybody else have any um, dependency questions? Yeah, everybody's unmuted, uh, even the people that were making static. So if anybody has anything to say, now's your chance. Did, did you unmute everybody? Yeah, that's what I, I hit somebody by accident. But, yeah, everybody's unmuted now. Anybody out there got any questions? See a lot of people. Um, they're actually streaming it. They're uh, they're not logged in. They're either on the computer or they're using the uh, the uh, the link. They actually they didn't call in on their phone like like how we all are the ones that are talking. So a lot of people are actually in the chat room. I know you told me Southern that you can't see. Yeah, Denny's talking right now in the chat room. Uh, he said you can't see his posts, but there's a uh, the whole time we've been talking. There's also been some chat going on in the chat room. So. Those of you who also have called, you know, it would be good if you want to click the link. If you have access to the Internet at the same time as uh, talking, you know, that way you could help answer questions as well. And that way if there's a question from somebody that's not on the phone, you know, they can still get an answer. But but right now it looks like nobody even in the chat room has any questions. So, and we did good. We're at an hour and 53 minutes. We had a two-hour session planned, so. The big thing that everybody has to learn is that this stuff is copyrighted. All right. Either way that it goes, whether it's by them owning the copyrights or by the copyright on us owning the copyrights, this stuff can't be lost. All right. This is this is the foundation of the problem we have is that they're trying to use this as law. And this is what we have to we have to call them out on. This is the great fraud. All right? Once you see that these state constitutions are all copyrighted, you realize that everything that was created under those constitutions cannot exist. They just flat cannot exist. And it's that simple. And everybody here needs to start looking for those copyrights because they're on everything. Laws, their books, the Black Law dictionaries, it's, it's everything. It's all copyrighted. So I, all I guess it's, I guess it's safe to say then, you know, to I guess summarize this whole episode that, that in order to really understand what the issue is, you, you have to understand the whole copyright thing because 
when it's copyrighted, you're not playing by their rules. They own the law, you know. Like, well, the law that we the, the law that we look at it is for ordinary citizens. They own that, so therefore they could do whatever they want because it's their intellectual property, hence the copyright. So I guess it's safe to say, you know, that's that's the main thing right here. We really got to understand copyrights. I guess. That's why. That's why these we can't get these people arrested for any of their crimes. But they're exactly. Always, they're always legal to them. Both the law. Yeah, exactly. These people are aware of this. It's exactly. And that's, that's where the problem is lying right now. <laughs> and we need to start calling them out on this copyright stuff and asking them how this applies. <laughs> that's, that's what's going to be interesting. Exactly. And I could end up a bunch of pissed off Americans and it ends mm-hmm. bad, or it could be, you know, uh, Something where we all unite and do it peacefully, or I mean, I, I, it's, I don't, I don't want it to come down to it. I don't want to, you know. But that it'd be, it'd be a shame if that's, that's, that's if that's what it had to really happen. I mean, history tends to repeat itself, and history does tend to show that in order to overthrow corrupt regimes, nobody willfully gives up their power. So, but hey, you know, as so long as we give it our all to try to avoid that at all costs, then in my book, I say we did a good job. Could you talk about uh, common law just a bit there, Southern? This is Denny signing off. Thanks. Bye. Right, well, we had a quick appearance from Denny. <laughs> All right. Looks like Southern may not be here right now. Um, Southern, are you there? Checking in. Hello. Oh, uh, there you are. Did you uh, hear Denny? No, I didn't. You did? Okay. Well, if we can, we can. Uh, no, no I got I'm telling you. So you should, you if I can fix it, I said well. And if... <laughs> All right, does anybody have any questions before we end the call? I didn't realize we had Somebody asked a question about the common law. The what? Somebody asked a question with regards to common law. Yeah, that was Denny. That was who? Denny. Denny came out. Denny signed on real quick and asked. He said just before we go, because we have about two and a half minutes left uh, before the call automatically ends. I don't know if it will end our actual conversation, but I know it will end the recording. So he wants to just get a quick overview of common law. Maybe that's what's going to be another focal point in the next episode. I don't really know, but he just said, could you give a quick talk example uh, on that? Basically, if you if you understand the common law, it goes back hundreds of years in the AI before the Magna Carta. Mm-hmm. These lawyers were over in Europe and England doing the same uh, stuff that they were that they're doing here now, and that's the reason. All right, for the Magna Carta, they were making rulings from the bench. All right, and they were just raping and pillaging people for their own profit and gain. Now, common law, all right, if we had people running the, the, the courts the way it's supposed to be, okay, common law would be a great thing because we, we could have the juries that we need <coughs> making the law and nullifying the law if they don't work. But under, exactly. our, but under the system of judges ruling from the bench, 
with absolute power. All right? And what's going on here is these judges are making these decisions. And down the road, they all get together and they all turn this into uh, laws. <clears throat> or what they call laws, the copyrighted material that they copyright. And this is how a lot of people don't realize this. This is how this stuff is being made. All legislators are not really sitting up there writing law. All right? They're sitting up there listening to whoever is giving them this stuff and telling them, I right, turn this into uh, whatever. Now, the one thing you got to understand is, even under the copyrighted constitution, these alleged laws are supposed to have um, an enabling act attached to them. None of these laws do. None of these laws have an enabling clause. And without that enabling clause, they are not law. That is the second thing that people need to understand. You need to look up the enabling clause of the, the United States Constitution and your state constitutions. If it's not on there, these are not laws. So what you end up with is a bunch of judges making case law from the bench, which I, that common law doctor tells you that, that I got out there. All right? And that's how they're ruling. Well, the common law actually comes from their inner circle agreeing amongst themselves to use this as a remedy against you. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're doing. Right. And if you call around different agencies, they will tell you uh, we don't have jurisdiction over them. And you're going to start seeing a pattern emerge like the state doesn't have, the Secretary of State will tell you, well, I don't have any jurisdiction over them clerks. And I said, but you just put an order out, administrative order. She said, that's just my opinion. That's not law. Mm -hmm. They're that's all right. right to that they're not using any laws. That's right. They're not, not on their side of the fence, but on our side of the fence are calling this stuff law. Right, but they're not law. They'll tell you straightforward, I don't have no jurisdiction nor authority over the police, over the clerks, or over any person that we give a license to. And I said, well, why are you issuing license if you have no authority over the license that you issue? I said, say you give a license to a doctor, and he kills 50 people. You can tell me you have no authority over them? They said, no, we don't. Our job is to only give you the license. That's right. Mm -hmm. You have to have that license to engage, to engage in commerce and travel because of the Libra Code. Right. And you're being given a license to do something that would otherwise be illegal, such as smoking marijuana. In some states, they're licensed, right? Mm -hmm. If it crosses over the boundaries of another state, you've committed a crime. And that was a good case that I brought up where I'd say, uh, under your patent, you list marijuana as an antioxidant. But in this state, you're claiming here that it's a narcotic. Yeah. It's amazing, the hypocrisy. Well... You notice when they talk about drugs, they always use the term illegal drugs, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's because if you have a license from the FDA, it's not illegal. 
Right. All right, there's the catch. We're going to get into the license document. I'm going to tell you. You're going to be surprised what what really is, is going on here with the license and stuff. That license doc is out there on legal deception. You need to, you need to download that and read it because it is telling you the facts. It's not just driver's license, people. It's all licenses. All right, does anybody have any questions about anything? Hello? Mark, you're here. Does anybody have any questions? Well, if not, I guess it's okay. It's two hours. We can wrap this up until next Thursday night at 9 o'clock, and we'll be back here again. Thanks, guys, for all the information that you brought for us tonight. Thank you. Great show. Thank you. We're going to have more yet to come, a lot more. All yeah, right. everybody, everybody share this with your friends. You know, like I said, the call's recorded, so whenever you want to re-listen to some points that you like, you know, uh, you can always come back and listen to this whole conversation, the whole two hours and four minutes of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. All right, everybody. Stay tuned for our next episode. I'm sure everybody uh, will keep keep uh, keep a lookout on the Facebook page. We'll keep you guys updated. If you haven't already, search on Facebook groups, Legal Deception, and we'll make sure we get you added to the group. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. This is the first episode of Legal Deception. I'd say success. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.